Sun Life Community Church came into being as the result of a compelling vision for a different kind of church, interested in what we call the Sun Life, experiencing and sharing the life of God's Son. Perhaps your heart is burdened these days. We invite you to allow the Word of God through the words of this message to bring rest to your soul and joy to your heart. Oh, it's so good to uh, be able to be together and worship this morning and then to come right into the presence of our Heavenly Father and hear Him speak to us through His Word, but absolutely, truly, and surely. Let's tell Him we're ready for it. Our Heavenly Father, Your Word is a precious thing. Thank You for not causing us to walk through this world in, in ignorance and darkness. But you've given us your word. So, Father, we pray today that that word might instruct us. It might encourage us. It might cause us to believe even more surely that you are the God above over all, that you watch over the affairs of men, You watch over us, and we can trust you. And we ask you this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, today as we enter into this uh, somewhat extended Christmas season, we're going to start a brand new series of messages. And the title of this series of messages that will be eight weeks long, November and December, take us right to the end of the year, The title is The Promise of the Ages. Isn't that a great slide? It's a new picture. The Promise of the Ages. We're going to be talking about that. What is it? Who is it? And all through this month, the truth of it is that's who Jesus is. Jesus Christ is the promise of the ages. And that's the focus we're going to take right to the end of this turbulent year. From the very beginning of man's sojourn on this earth, and from the time that man fell into sin, there have been promises given to men by God. Promises that reveal God's continuing plan for man. Promises intended to carry man through tough times successfully. Promises that find their ultimate fulfillment in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus, in fact, is the promise, the promise of the ages. He's the answer to every aggravating circumstance of man's life. He is God the Father's greatest gift to mankind. And in this season of the year when we celebrate his birth, we should, we would, Remind all mankind that in him is found the solution to every human difficulty. Throughout all the ages, Jesus Christ has been and still is the promise of something better. Say that to yourself. Jesus Christ is the promise of something better. And then add... For me, for me, for you, 
Jesus Christ is the promise of something better that God has planned. Some of this he's had planned long, long before man ever came on the scene. And the something better we're going to be talking about that's caught up in the person of Jesus Christ, the promise of the ages. And so through the weeks of this Christmas season, we will be examining eight great promises of God fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Promises designed to inform and encourage and renew us during these days. Promises represented by uh, these beautiful, beautifully wrapped gifts under our Christmas tree. We're going to cover them chronologically. That is in the order that they were given by God. Today, we're going to draw your attention to the very first one. We have one beautiful gift right here in the front. And on this gift, there is a card that identifies what it is. And there it is, the promise of the ages, promise one. Genesis 3, 5, it says this, He will crush your head, though you will bruise his heel. That's a promise. That's something God said. Who did he say it to? Are we? How many of you think he said it to the devil? Okay. He said it to the devil. Right in the Garden of Eden. When the devil had led Adam and Eve into sin, and then God is making this promise, this is going to happen. He's going to send someone, and he says to the devil, he, that one I will send, he will crush your head. Is that a serious thing? If your head got crushed, I mean like with a steamroller, just smashed flat, what will your chances be? Zero? That's what God's saying. This one I'm going to send, I'm promising you this, he will crush your head, though you will strike his heel. You will wound him, but he will destroy you. In other words, this is a promise that he, the one I will send, the Father says, he will be a devil destroyer. Now that promise... That promise was given with the stench of mankind's first sin still hanging in the air. Right there in the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve had willfully and stupidly violated the one prohibition that their creator God had given them. Do not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Everything else is for you, but do not eat of that tree. One prohibition, and they had violated it, and they had eaten of it, and they fell into sin. That sinful rebellion is what was going on, and God surely, the Father surely had to hold his nose, as it were, when he walked through the garden that night. Adam and Eve's sin was the result of the devil's work. The Bible tells us Satan himself took the form of a glorious serpent and led them into this act of rebellion. 
this sin that changed everything for all of us. What did he do? Well, he deceived them. God said, if you eat of that fruit, you will surely die the day you eat of it. The serpent said to them, you shall not surely die. He lied. He deceived them. And they believed him. Eve did. And then the devil divided them. For when God walked in the garden and confronted Adam and said, what have you done? As Adam was hiding in the bushes. What have you done? Have you eaten from the tree that I told you not to eat? And Adam says, the woman that you put here with me gave me some. Now, just a few verses earlier, when it talks about the creation, Adam was all by himself in the world. There were no animals that, that were human. He was the only human being on the whole planet. And God made a partner for him. Put him to sleep, took a rib out of his body, and fashioned Eve and brought her to Adam. And when Adam saw her, he was so thrilled, so excited. He said, yes, this is bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. I will call her woman, for she was taken out of man. We are alike. We are connected. We're the only two like us in the entire world. He was delighted. There was a unity of purpose, a unity of, of life. Now all of a sudden, the devil, as a result of his work leading them into sin, they are now, Adam is seeing her as someone separate from him, not someone like him, connected to him, a perfect partner with him. The woman you put here, that one over there, the devil divided them. The devil's been dividing people ever since. And they defended themselves. They didn't just confess. They didn't just ask forgiveness. Didn't even dawn on them. They defended their behavior. Adam says, well, she gave me some fruit from the tree. <laughs> you gave me to her, or you gave her to me, and she brought fruit to me, and so uh, I took it. I didn't want trouble at home. She gave it to me, and I ate it. The woman says, well, it's not my fault. The serpent deceived me. I didn't know what I was doing. It was very effective work on the part of the devil. God had to cast them out of the garden. That was effective work. It was not, however, the devil's first work. It's the first one recorded in the scripture, but it's not the first time the devil went to work in rebellion against God. His first work was his own rebellion in heaven when he deceived one-third of the heavenly host into joining him in his opposition to the will and the ways of God. Not just one prohibition, not just one person, but one-third of the heavenly hosts, the devil whose name was Lucifer, 
he was able to deceive them. And they joined him in opposition to the Almighty. And they were thrown out of heaven. Isaiah the prophet, 600 years before Christ, wrote these words in Isaiah 14, 12. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground? Long centuries later, John the Apostle testified, Revelation 12, 9. He says, I saw a great red dragon. His tail swept one-third of the stars from the sky. That great dragon was hurled down. That ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, who leads the whole world astray, he was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. That was Satan's first work. To rebel against God. To deceive one-third of the heavenly hosts. To get them to join him in that rebellion. But what happened in the garden was Satan's first attack upon mankind. His first attack upon mankind. Those, those marvelous beings made in the image of God. And he was successful. He deceived them. He brought them willingly to the place of disobedience. And he brought them somewhere else as well. He brought them into what the Apostle Paul would centuries later call the dominion of darkness. Colossians 1.13, Paul uses that phrase. The dominion, the kingdom of darkness. That's where fallen mankind dwells, in the dominion of darkness. We see evidence of that all around us. The darkness of sin is upon so much that our eyes fall on. So much that is going on. So much that controls human beings. So much of it explains current events, even in our land. In the dominion of darkness, there is no recognition or acceptance of God's truth. Falsehood and lies reign supreme. Jesus once said, John 8.44, the devil is the father of lies. In the dominion of darkness, there's no genuine compassion for or even appreciation of one's fellow human beings. Disgust and disregard are expressed and demonstrated continually. In the dominion of darkness, the name of God and the people of God are regularly reviled and discounted and even redefined. In the dominion of darkness, Satan dominates and determines all that takes place. From the perspective of a holy God, it is a most vile and loathsome place. It will not last forever. Our Heavenly Father has promised that it will not. And so the first promise that finds its fulfillment in Jesus Christ is the promise of one who would be a devil destroyer. That promise has never been forgotten. It's never been able to be discounted by 
by the devil's minions. They know that they, along with their master, will one day experience the full consequence of that promise. They live in fear of that day. Here's what one of them terrifyingly asked Jesus during the days of his earthly ministry. It's recorded in Mark chapter 1, verse 24. The terrified demon's question. He says, what do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Note the interplay in that passage between the words us and I. See, on that particular day, people brought to Jesus a man who was possessed by a demon. He was in horrible shape, horrible condition, had no control over himself whatsoever. And they brought him to Jesus. Now, there was just a single demon possessing that tortured man. But that single demon who addressed Jesus Christ understood that he and all others like him could easily be and one day would be destroyed by the one who was standing right there in front of them. I believe that demon that day feared that the day of destruction had arrived. What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come, like now, to destroy us? I know who you are. You are the Holy One of God. And we are no match for the Holy God. However, On that day, it was not time for the Lord Jesus to initiate the demonic destruction that would one day come in fulfillment of God's promise. But Jesus definitely took steps to destroy the demonic work that was being done in that poor man's life. The demon had no choice. He had no choice but to follow the Lord's instructions To come out of him, Jesus said. Come out of this man. Release your hold on this man. Take your torture somewhere else, but no longer in this man. And Jesus, the Holy One of God, who someday will have the power to destroy that very demon, directed him, and there was no choice but to obey. Mark records, he came out of him with a shriek, the demon did. Now the Apostle John, who was present on that occasion and on many other occasions like it, John drew these conclusions many years later, and he wrote them down in his letter, 1 John Chapter 3, verse 8, we find them. John says, The one who does what is sinful is of the devil. Takes a while to let that sink in. The one who does what is sinful. 
is of the devil. It's not just somebody having a bad day. It's not just somebody making a mistake. If you look at it from God's point of view, every time someone sins, the devil's hand and influence is there. He says, the one who does what is sinful is of the devil because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The devil brought the first sin into this world. There have been no sins committed since without the devil's influence in one way or another. So when we sin, particularly willingly sin, purposefully sin, we can't just brush it off casually. Because the devil himself has had an influence in what we've just done. The one who does what is sinful is of the devil because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. Everywhere that Jesus went, he found evidences of the devil's work. And sometimes they were precious human beings completely possessed by a demon. And again and again, people, fathers, mothers, friends, would bring those to Jesus and ask that, that he destroy the work that's going on in this person. And he did. Every time. Every time. And John watched it and watched it and watched it. And at the end of his life could conclude why the reason, one very, very good reason, one ultimate reason, the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. And so Jesus, as the promise of the ages, came in fulfillment of the Father's promise to send a devil destroyer, as ultimately he will destroy the devil himself, Jesus began to fulfill that promise during the days of his earthly ministry by destroying every work of the devil that he encountered. We could call that phase one of this devil-destroying process. Phase one, personally destroying and frustrating demonic activity wherever it is found a great, great ministry of Jesus Christ, personally destroying and frustrating demonic activity wherever it is found. Jesus did that with great regularity during his earthly ministry. However, that ministry of Jesus on this earth ended a long, long time ago. A long time ago. Nearly 2,000 years ago. However, Jesus' triumphant resurrection from the grave and his ascension to heaven and his exaltation in heaven has allowed him to initiate phase two of this devil-destroying work. 
He's no longer here to do it personally, one-on-one, as he did when he walked on the earth. But phase two, we describe this way. That is sending the Holy Spirit to rescue the believer from the dominion of darkness. Sending the Holy Spirit to rescue human beings, believers, from the dominion of darkness to destroy the devil's control over them. The Holy Spirit. Numa himself, through the new birth that only he can produce, is able to accomplish a marvelous devil-defeating thing. Here's how Paul described it in that verse I mentioned earlier, Colossians 1.13. Paul says, For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness. There's that phrase we talked about. He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. All who have been born again through faith in Jesus Christ, every one of us, I trust, have been rescued by the power of God from this dominion of darkness with all of its influence and control over us. We're no longer dominated by the values of that dominion. We've been set free. The devil's hold on us has been broken and all the work that he has accomplished in us has been destroyed. You see, that's what forgiveness and cleansing does. When we give our hearts to Jesus Christ, when we come before a holy God and confess our sins and ask for forgiveness through Jesus Christ, we are forgiven, we are cleansed. And the bonds that were upon us when we were under Satan's control have been released, broken. We've been delivered from a place of domination to a place of joy and submission to our Lord Jesus Christ. We no longer live under the devil's authority. No longer are we determined by his policies and practices. We've been set free from the dominion of darkness. And so we'd say to ourselves today, hold on to that spirit. That spirit who has rescued us, that spirit who has delivered us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into a brand new place, brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. So we're now living in phase two of our promise keeper's mission. His mission to completely destroy not only the works of the devil, but to completely destroy, to make absolutely impotent the devil himself. And while we're living in that phase, you breathe in the breath of the Spirit every single day, every single moment. You breathe in the the fragrant air of obedience and delight that the Spirit himself breathes out. And you live. You live in the kingdom of the Son of God as opposed to the dominion of darkness itself. Now, the third and final phase of this is going to come, just like the first two have come. Phase three is this, casting Satan into the lake of fire. 
Jesus predicted it. Matthew 25, 41 says this, Then he, speaking of himself, then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Jesus is talking about the judgment at the, the end of days, just before the new heaven and the new earth come. And he's judging those who have not come to faith in him, judging those who have continued in their rebellious ways, and he puts them on his one side like you would put goats from sheep. And he says, Depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. That's why that fire was prepared for the devil and his angels. And it's just that everyone who stays allied with him winds up there too. The Apostle John received a revelation of it. Revelation 20.10, John says, And the devil was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur, where the beast and the false prophet had been thrown. They will be tormented day and night forever and ever. And there you have it. And there... As it were, for those of you who are are Lord of the Rings fans, there in the fires of Mount Doom, the devil and all those associated with him will experience final everlasting destruction. This promise will be fulfilled. Long years ago in the Garden of Eden, God gave the promise There will come one who will crush this serpent, who will destroy him entirely, who will remove him absolutely from the world of men. And on that day, that promise will be fulfilled just as the new heaven and the new earth are revealed and the glorious new city of Jerusalem comes down and God himself will dwell with his people the home of righteousness, no more evil, no more devil, no more influence, no more dominion of darkness. God the Father will have kept his promise. And you and I today can live in light of that promise. So consider this final thought with me. We say, allow the promise of the ages, Jesus himself, to bring the blessings of this promise to your life right now. Allow his Holy Spirit to completely deliver you from the dominion of darkness. We have to ask the Lord every day, is there any of that still upon me? We go through a world that is dominated by darkness, that's dominated by sinfulness, that's dominated by evil, and we have to ask ourselves every day, is any of that spilling over onto me? We've just gone through some very, very contentious times. We've gone through weeks and months here where born-again Christians have found it difficult to talk to one another because the issue of politics always comes up. And in the dominion of darkness is bitterness, is judgment, is pride, is arrogance, is condemnation. 
And those things can spill out and almost like stain the white robes that Jesus would dress his followers in. We got to say, oh Lord, if there's anything, anything of that that's become part of me, I confess it now. I confess it now. I ask you to forgive me of the things that have been in my heart. And I say this right along with you. The questionings that have been there, the judgments that have been made, Lord, cleanse me of anything that belongs really to the dominion of darkness where falsehood and judgment and disrespect make their home. Allow his Holy Spirit to completely deliver you from the dominion of darkness and settle you down. Let the Spirit do this. Settle you down in the brilliance of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Let the word of God be the light of your life. Let the truth of God be the light of your life. Live in the brilliance that is Jesus Christ himself, because he is the Son of God, exalted to the highest. In this season, as we remember his birth, let's allow his present ministry as our exalted Lord and Savior to just shine, shine the light that we will be walking in. And trust the Holy Spirit to keep us right in the center of it. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you that you are a God who assesses the situation of men and then makes plans to deal with each of those situations. And Father, we confess that, that your plans are frequently mysterious to us, and they should be. Who are we to figure out the mind of God? But Father, along with your plans, you frequently attach a promise. We thank you for the promise that we've looked at today, given long, long years ago in the Garden of Eden itself, that there will come one who will finally destroy the devil himself. And all of his influence will be removed from creation forever. Father, we thank you that Jesus came and demonstrated the power of the Holy One of God over the unholy one. We thank you that he in heaven today sends his Holy Spirit to guide us on a path that, that is guarded from the, the influence and the dominion of the devil. And Father, we commit ourselves once anew to allowing you, through your Spirit, to lead us and guide us, to shape us, to purify us, to make us people in this fallen world that can shine with the glory of Jesus Christ. And we ask this now in His name and for His glory. Amen. We hope this message has inspired you to live the sun life together 
with us. If you are near Apple Valley, California this weekend, we invite you to join us in person Sunday morning or through our live broadcast. All the details are on our website at sunlifecommunitychurch.com.